Geek Shock. Geek Shock. So this week, we're getting the Bad Batch on Disney Plus. Right. That starts what tomorrow when we're recording this. I don't feel like I can watch it yet. Why not? Wait, Just wait, because which... the Bad Batch is the uh, the continuation of the Clone Wars animated series, basically. Oh. And and that's why I feel like I can't, I can't because I haven't finished the Clone Wars and those characters are introduced and figure in especially in the later seasons of that show they've already been introduced because they I started seeing them in the third season but as a group and their the, the story that they're telling that metastasizes in the Clone Wars and that happens like in like the last couple seasons especially. So I don't feel like I can watch The Bad Batch. It, to me, it'd be like watching WandaVision without seeing Avengers and the movies going into it. It's, I'm not ready for it yet. Well, well, Todd, by that logic, that means you wouldn't be able to watch The Bad Batch until after you've watched Rebels too, which means that you'll, you'll never get to The Bad Batch, no. just like every no. other movie on your shelf. Absolutely not. <laughs> now, because Rebels takes place way after Bad Batch. But they figure into Rebels, if I remember correctly. They have a uh, couple storylines in there. They, they might have some storylines, but as far as the continuity goes, as far as the timeline goes, it goes Clone Wars, then Bad Batch. Because Rebels, if I remember right, takes place after A New Hope. I, have to double, I, I haven't watched enough of Rebels to, to yeah. qualify that. And I do want to see Rebels. I, I, but I haven't gotten to it yet because I haven't finished Clone Wars. So now i got to get back into Clone <laughs> Wars so I can watch the new show that's, that's dropping. So, But at, on the upside, though, that means since I have so much Clone Wars to watch, uh, Bad Batch will be finished by the time I'm done and I can just binge Badge, ba- badge Batch. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the new police procedural on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I thought it was Jar Jar's brother. I do the same thing with uh, Teen Titans on, um, well, it used to be on DC Universe, now it's on HBO Max. Um, I'm about halfway through the third season, and they just announced that the fourth season is going to be dropping pretty soon. So it's like, yeah, I guess I better finish that up. Right, that's so. uh, the third season's dropping. No. they've no they, The third season was Teen Titans Outsiders, and then the fourth season's going to be dropping. When did the third season drop? No, no, no. I, I'm sorry. Uh, Young Justice, not Teen Titans. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, I, was, I, was, I enjoyed Titans, and I finished it not that long ago. How did I miss a whole season? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Young Justice. Sorry about oh, okay. that. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm anxious for new Titans. I'm, I'm, I apologize for Meg. She's now got a squeaker toy. <laughs> I don't mind. Meg is a sweetheart. She is excused for everything. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited about Bad Batch. I'm excited to watch it when I'm ready to watch it, which isn't yeah. yet. I'm guessing if you, and if you haven't, I posted it on my page, the Marvel phase four, uh, get excited for this stuff. Trailer dropped, uh, either earlier today or yesterday. <sighs> Once again, I'm like the comic book fan in me is like, yay, look how good they're doing this. And the DC fan in me is like, I need to go to Warner Brothers and cut somebody. Because <laughs> this is not that freaking hard. 
I think uh, Barry would agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, yeah. folks, to Geek Shock number 587. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Back, Jack Dandy. Maple Leaf Matt. Professor Biggs. We're here to talk a week in Geek. Biggs, thank you for joining us this week. Yeah, no problem. Missed your voice on the show, so I'm like, let's get Biggs on this week. Let's let's do it. It's better than that Barry guy. <laughs> uh, agree. Oh, oh, I hate everything. Oh, my hair. Oh. And speaking of, we uh, we're probably going to have to have Largon next week uh, because we got an email from a shock monkey uh, calling him out for his poor performance in pinball. So he should be there to answer for it. So I, we won't read that email this week. Uh, so we'll have Largon, and then then we'll we'll do that email. So thank you for writing in. Is it really a shock monkey uh, calling in when it's an email you wrote yourself? <laughs> I, too, am a fan of the show. So, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I just can't wait to hear his rage about the fact that, uh, that Todd didn't actually throw away all those cards that got mailed to him. <laughs> yeah. I know for a fact you threw several away. When you posted that picture, I was like, where the fuck did those come from? <laughs> You're right. Australia and California. (laughs) (laughs) Not only do I have all of those, uh, I also found one with its original envelope. uh, One of the ones from England that was sent. So, so I even have the the proof that it was international. Still, (laughs) what what an expensive failed prank! Right. (laughs) So much thought, so much investment of time and money. It couldn't have happened to a better guy. It would have been easier if you proposed to you. <laughs> and you just stare at him. Stare at him. The fact is, that is the fear, because when it all plays out, this, this does kind of end in a proposal. So I'm glad I wasn't put in that awkward position. Whether it's a wedding proposal, indecent proposal, either way, I don't want it from Barry. So <laughs> works out. So, gentlemen, what geeky things did you do this week? I played uh, some... Uh... Jackbox trivia with uh, Jeff Harris. Fantastic. With his, with his crew. They were fun. Wonderful. About how many people were playing? Yeah, five or six. Eh, fantastic. Yeah, good crowd. I didn't do uh, terrible. I didn't. Uh, I won the last game through my uh, knowledge of uh, Chaucer, but uh, other than that, it was just, I held my own. I felt, I felt comfortable in the group. Is this uh, the, the actual game you don't know, Jack, or was this other games with no, that? Jackbox games. We actually, actually, the last game was that uh, the one one we haven't played, which is the sequel to the haunted house thing. The thing we are all the ah all the voodoo dolls with the, with the illumination and you're turning into ghosts and stuff. And I yeah. love that one. Oh, I love yeah, that one so yeah. much. Yeah. And yeah. there's a second ver- that we played the second version, which has a few more bells and whistles. Uh, I have not uh, purchased the last two groups, and they're about to release a new one. And so there, there, there are games that I haven't played, and I think that one is in one of the ones I haven't gotten. Well, it's time for you to do another one, I think, because, you know, the ball is cast. Uh, well, there, there, there is so much chaos. We, we are completely redoing the condo, and that's really stepped up uh, in this last uh-huh. week. And so there, this, this place is an absolute uh, mess and chaos, but it's going to be fantastic when it's all done. Yeah, you would have every lost memory of Jeff, of right? <laughs> oh, that, they did that two years ago. Scrubbing it clean of anything, anything eighties. <laughs> uh, can that ever really be done? Truly, though, that's true. Th- th- there's the always eighties will never die. Mm. 
<laughs> as long as and Back the other... to the Future's in your uh, in your video collection, '80s will always be there in spirit. Truth, oh. <laughs> absolute truth. Oh my God! Play Roll Twenty with my good friend Kirsten, and, and no Professor Biggs because he's too cool for us. What? I was opening a show, which I'll get to oh, in a minute. Sure, but... sure. You open your show. Meanwhile, Kay and I are being swamped by mutant monster bears and and angry ghost women and angry goddesses. Not to mention bickering with Adam Kozlowski's character. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 K the K and uh, Adam show was pretty damn funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny because I I just I'm just playing a simple fighter and I'm just wading in and fighting stuff and at, as usually happens with the tank, other people will get the kill after you do <laughs> dole out a shit ton of damage, and so. so I'm doing this, and Adam's character, Eldon, shoots off, and, oh, yeah, that uh, monster right by Kirsten's character just died. And <laughs> then Elena, because I always, and Steve's laughing because he knows, knows what I'm talking about from other games. Elena's like, yeah, Kirsten will hate that. And Adam's like, what? And I'm like, well, I just, you know, I pound and I pound, and then someone else gets the kill. And, and that, Adam did a yes and. And he just started, oh, well, I'm sorry I killed him. I won't kill him. And then from then on, all it was was, okay, I'm going to attack this troll over here. Don't kill it, or Kirsten's character will get really upset. And it just, it just went on and on. I, my character heroically gave up. That was fun. No, I, uh, they, gave up? We had a ghost we were trying to deal with, and, and uh, the ghost was uh, possessing something that was holding her to the place. And I'm like, so if we get out of this place, if you had somebody else to possess, you could leave this place, that might solve some stuff. So I got to play for about, for about half an hour, I got to play an angry ghost possessing a dwarf. <laughs> no. And she was fun to play, but I, I kind of feel a little bad for Elrika, who was getting a lot of my wrath because she was our cleric and I, and uh, the, angry, the angry ghost kept calling her witch and, and yelling at her and telling her to do something better. Well, listen, if you're signing up to be a cleric, you know what you're signing up for, all right? You're signing up to, signing up to heal the party. You're signing up to, to deal with the undead. That's your job. I don't want to hear any complaining about those two issues. Actually, she got, she got the final kill on the big bad. Nice. Rare. Go. Enjoy that. As usual. Not person's character, right? Hey, I got beat up by crows, and I could only hit one at a turn. <laughs> oh, boy, those crows were a bitch. Elena and at I, one point was like, I'm sorry, guys. I just threw them in there as a little annoying extra. And and Adam, Adam's character, Eldon, is just like, oh, that's okay. Yeah, the crows, they're just getting six points on me per attack, and there's just three attacks per round. That's okay. Yeah, I can handle it. <laughs> when they showed up, I thought they were on our side because I thought the bear was going to kill kill us. So, so you're saying it was a literal murder of crows? Yo! Yeah. Oh, Hello. <laughs> Jeff, what'd you do this week? Uh, I watched a couple movies. Uh, the first one is uh, Stowaway. It's on Netflix. Uh, of course, I had to watch it because it's a movie about space and space exploration. It stars uh, Anna Kendrick, Daniel Day Kim, Tony Collette. It's about a, uh, a 
three-person mission to Mars that they discover one of the uh, the techs that had been uh, doing some fueling on the rocket that had apparently got knocked out and was in the rocket that launched up. So they're trying to figure out how to adapt their resources for a fourth person when they were only had enough resources for three and figuring about getting home and stuff. So uh, it was pretty entertaining. Uh, it's It's all drama, though, all the way through. So it can get a little heavy. And of course, I always have my own issues on from a technical standpoint with just about every space exploration film. But overall, I liked it. Uh, it's pretty good. As the layman, isn't the extra weight of a whole human body going to throw everything off? It well, yeah, they, they they address it in the film. I don't want to get All into right. specifics for anybody right. that that wants to watch it still. That's uh, my first thought on any stowaway in space thing. Is like that, right. that doesn't work. They're balanced to the to the dime. I think I liked this one from the mere fact that it seems like every space or ship stowaway movie, it's always like the person intentionally stows away. This is a person that uh, had an accident while they were performing their task for this mission and essentially got knocked out and woke up on this thing. So that adds that whole new level of trauma. Like this person is suddenly hundreds of miles away from Earth when they had no intention whatsoever of joining this this crew on their mission, all the stuff that goes along with that. So, but the movie that I was really, uh, really impressed with is, uh, from last year. Uh, I knew that it was shooting back in 2019, but I didn't know that it had actually dropped last year. You know, welcome to 2020, right? Uh, <laughs> the movie's called freaky. So it's, it's a Blumhouse production and pretty much everything you need to know is in the pre-production title of the film, which was freaky Friday, the 13th. <laughs> oh uh, right, I remember that. Yeah, it stars uh, Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton. Uh, she was recently in uh, that movie I brought to the show called "The Map of Tiny Perfect Things." Uh, so she's an up and comer. You know, you've probably seen her in a few other things, but that's the one I most recently remember seeing her in. the The premise of the movie is teenage high school girl that gets attacked by a serial killer played by Vince Vaughn and. Through the uh, you know the MacGuffin of the film, they switch bodies. So now suddenly she's in you know body of a fifty-something-year-old guy that's a serial killer, and the serial killer is in her body. And because this is a Blumhouse production, part of the star of the show is the this silly little ways that people get killed in the film, the mix of horror and suspense with humor mixed in. The movie is directed by Christopher Landon, who also directed and then uh, wrote screenplays or co-wrote movies such as Happy Death Day, Happy Death Day to You, uh, some of the Paranormal Activity sequels, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which is another film I really enjoyed. (laughs) So um, I just, this this is a film, I I don't know, like I said, how I missed it, but um, I had a free Redbox rental. I rented this, really, really enjoyed this. I was cracking up throughout because it's got that dark humor element to it that Blumhouse has. So this is one I definitely recommend people checking out. Uh, You can get it from Redbox, or you can uh, rent it online. It's not on any of the big streaming services right now. I double-checked just to make sure before the show. But, but yeah, it's worth checking out. Highly recommend it. Did you ever get around to watching uh, um, uh, Prop Culture? No, I haven't got a chance to watch Uh, that. So eager to hear what you think about that, but I'll wait. It's 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 on the list. There's there's many things I, I had planned to watch last week and uh, 
things happen. So I'm, I'm just amazed I got to watch these before the show because I, I thought I was going to pull a mat and not have anything for this show. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, what did you do this week? I have a long list, but I'll just run through it because mostly it's stuff that you guys have already talked about in uh, previous shows, and, and Jeff just talked about one of them. Caught up with Invincible. Uh, yeah. Like you guys have said, it's awesome. I've uh, been catching up with the DC uh, CW shows, and I haven't mentioned it before, but the Superman and, Superman and Lois show is really good. I would like to see a version of that character on the big screen, perhaps played by Henry Cavill, but I think they've really captured what I would recognize as Superman in that show. The Nevers, uh, which is the uh, Joss Whedon uh, HBO Max show, uh, it's really good. The sort of cynical you know, elevator pitch on it is steampunk female X-Men, but it's that's not all it is. It's more complicated than that and more gory than that, but it's really good. Uh, I, on you guys' uh, suggestion, I actually watched The Taking of Deborah Logan. Yeah. <laughs> nice and creepy. Yeah. Effective, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the ending gets, uh, you know, that's when almost all these things tend to fall apart. It's like, sure. really? You're in a, a mine shaft at night, and the only light you have is from the camera, and you actually say, tell somebody, or somebody has a line like, well, I'm just going to wait here. In the nope. pitch black? <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> and they don't, right? They go, oh, I'm scared. I'm going to follow you. The actual practicality of what's going on there every now and then kind of falls apart. But otherwise, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's nice and creepy. And sad, too. Yes. Um, it's very affecting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stowaway, I agree with Jeff. Uh, I, in general, liked it. I, at the beginning, because they hadn't quite spelled out how the artificial gravity was working, I was like, well, hold on here. And then when they actually showed how it was working, I was like, oh, okay, no, that makes sense now. But it takes a while for them to actually show the how the thing actually works. Right. Anyway. But other than that, I, I didn't think it was great. And yeah, the, the guy is really good because he has his, you know, panic moment where, you know, he's like, no, no, I, I got to get back. Because he's also, his sister is on the spectrum, autism yeah. spectrum. And yeah. so he's her, he's her caregiver and now there's nobody there. On Andy's suggestion, I started watching The Irregulars. I'm about three episodes in. I don't know that it's actually grabbing me. We'll see. I got through, I got through one and haven't felt the need to dive into it too deeply. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm and that's what I said to... when I watched it. I said, I don't know if it's going to be good or not. It's interesting, but I can see some problems. Well, you guys should all watch it. Thumbs up. That's what you said, right? Or something like that. I, I don't think that's what I said said but somebody will correct me who's actually listens to the show (laughs) (laughs) uh i did have a nice i did have a nice revelation as i was going down a uh, youtube rabbit hole and was watching all the uh uh robot chicken bitch pudding uh sketches that it's katie sackoff doing the voice of bitch pudding yeah (laughs) and that just makes it (laughs) that much funnier to me Dude, uh, that's like my is... favorite character on that show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bam! <laughs> uh, so that, that's been a fun little rabbit hole. I actually have been reading 
Lovecraft Country, the novel ah, that yes. the TV show is based on. Excellent. And I also have the book club edition, so it's got all the you know Matt Ruff interview in the back and all that kind of stuff. Come to find out that actually started as a TV pitch, uh, a TV series oh. pitch. Yeah. You know, it didn't really gain any traction, so he decided, well, I'm not going to let this go to waste. So he, he wrote the novel. Now I'm really curious at, uh, about one of his other books called Mirage, which basically flips the geopolitical status of the United States and the Middle East, where Iran or Iraq, one of them, is the superpower, and the United States sends terrorists in planes to knock over skyscrapers in a Middle East country. How interesting. On, on, on 9-11. So, what an interesting yeah. thought so project. I'm really, I'm really curious about that. I want to go back to Lovecraft Country. How did you feel it did as far as a translation to show? Um, obviously, there are major changes. It's been a while since I've seen the TV show, like, you know, a few months. And so, thankfully, as much of it as I remember, I've also forgotten a lot. So the book, reading the book is kind of a nice, you know, new experience. And when it does jar into, wait a minute, that's not how it happened in the TV show. then I'm like, oh, an interesting, an interesting st- change. Like the, like the, um, the transformation sequences of uh, Ruby into the, you know, back and forth into white woman, much gorier on the TV show than they make it out to be. Very. Uh, in, in the book, which is also a gory transformation, you know, but the flesh falling off and that kind of stuff, that's, that's, um, unique to the TV show. Um, and then they gender switched, uh, the comic book writing kid, that story. I'm almost done with it. And so I just finished that story. That's been interesting. I like the way the TV show took characters and took situations from the various different stories and kind of wove them through the, the TV series as kind of ongoing things like the, all the stuff with the cops uh, and all that kind of stuff. It's nicely woven together in the TV series, whereas they're, you know, kind of nicely standalone stories in the, in the book. And then the last thing I did, (laughs) and this is, this was truly the geeky thing I did this weekend. Uh, I'm back in a theater, true believers. Excelsior. <laughs> we are doing live comic book readings of Spider- Amazing Spider-Man 50. Spider-Man no more. And one of the voices I do is, is Stan Lee. And when the audition forum went out, it, it had, you know, one of the tracks was Stan Lee, J. Jonah Jameson. And so when I sent my audition in, I was like, well, so I could just do like a regular narrator voice because I knew that's what they were doing is all the captions. So I did that and I said, or I could do the Ted Knight. Meanwhile, back at the Justice Bowl, you know, I could do that thing. I said, but if you're really looking for Stan Lee, I think it goes a little something like <laughs> this, true believers. And so I read and he goes, and, and so when we started rehearsing, he goes, and I just started doing like a regular narrative. He goes, no, 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 do the Stan Lee. <laughs> 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 and I was like, okay. One of the one of the uh, other readers, uh, we were at on a break, and she goes, "Can you just say for me, Buttercup was sad?" And I was like, "Buttercup was sad." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, Stanley does sound kind of sound like Peter Falk." 
<laughs> Let's see, where were we? Oh yes, the pit of despair. <laughs> so that's been fun. So yeah, so, so I so, play. So tell us more about this. What what oh. is it? Where can it be seen? What yes. is it? If you're in the greater LA slash Orange County area through the end of May, but check out the Maverick Theater in Fullerton. If you just look up um, Maverick Theater, Maverick, M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K, Theater, T-H-E-A-T-E-R.com, all one word, uh, it'll bring you right to the website, and the thing that pops up is the comic reading, and get ticket prices there. So, what it is, it's five... Wait, wait, for those of us who, you know, might be exiled out here where the men are men and the sheep are nervous, is this going to be, like, streamed somewhere at some point? Uh, probably not. We are doing it, it live inside an actual theater building, ladies and gentlemen. We're all vaccinated. Uh, COVID protocols are in place. Uh, the theater's operating at 40%. Uh, they usually hold about 70 or 80 people, and they're doing it with 30 uh, audience members at, at, at any one time. The concession stand is outside. So while you're waiting to, you know, see the show you're you're basically outside and everyone's masked etc cetera, etc cetera. i got a question about that so when they sh- when the audience members show up they got to show their card vaccination card they don't inside it's socially distant uh and outside so as long as they're inside they can sit with members of their party but then the chairs are spaced uh, uh, each individual party is spaced six feet apart um, but anyway, so it's five readers, four guys, and, and one woman playing every female part. And her Aunt May cracks me up every time because uh, the director said, just make her sound like she's going to die at any <laughs> second. So she's all, oh, Peter, you're such a caution. <laughs> Kills me. You should have done so, that yeah. voice. Yeah. So uh, right, let's so let's yeah. take the let's take the one poor actress who got a job among these geeks <laughs> and get rid of her job and give it to Steve. Well, that's a very Shakespearean thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but she's excellent, and she's also a geek. She does well, except for last year. She does almost annual trips to Salem, Massachusetts, to go visit the the uh, sites of the you know where the Crucible took place, and then she also does an almost annual trip to uh, Romania to visit Dracula's castle. And so, wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 Well, make sure next time she goes to Salem, she visits the the American burlesque collection. (laughs) I will let her know. So anyway, so it's been fun. It's, you know, uh, there's live Foley. So, and then the comic panels are projected in front of us. So basically you're, you're hearing our voices and seeing the comic panels, uh, uh, and they're animated. Uh, he found a he found a program that actually lets him, um, you know, move across the panel and and flip it and all this kind of stuff. So nice. we don't get to see that because uh, we're behind that. But apparently, from the audience, they were like, "Oh, that's amazing!" Because you know, we can watch the panel, we can watch the foley artist, and you know, who cares about the actors because they're just all seated wearing masks, but... <laughs> yeah, they're all overhyped Dave anyway. Dave Foley's on the stage. Who's going to leave you guys? Right, exactly. So that's been fun. We had we just had our opening weekend. Uh, even non-comic book fans seem to really enjoy it, so... 
Uh, and it is. It's the it's the 1967 Spider-Man No More issue 50 to 52. True believers. <laughs> That's fantastic. And, At Maverick Theater, MaverickTheater.com, and it's just called Comic Reading. It doesn't have like a special title for right. it. Just Comic Reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's again through the end of May. So if you're in the LA Orange County area through the end of May, check us out. We have multiple shows a night. Please do. And if you do, uh, write a review and send it to comments at uglycouchshow.com. We'd like to know what you think about it. <laughs> yeah. If you're one of the lucky 12 people to get to see it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you, there's a month worth of how many performances a week do you do? Let's see. It's one show on Friday, two shows Saturday, two shows Sunday. So okay. five a weekend for the next four weekends. Wonderful. Yeah. Or, or as, as we call it, a regular theater schedule. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we. Somebody came out and did a nice interview uh, and was talking about, uh, you know, did this seem like a good stepping stone to actually doing full productions? And we're like, yeah. And he said, now if the COVID, if vaccinations weren't rolling out, if the theater had tried to do like a fully packed thing with a full production, and both me and Kalinda, the the woman in the show. Uh, we both were like, nope, nope. I would have said, yeah, I think I'll wait. But, you know, I know the people. I, you know, I saw their layout. Um, and then, yeah, we're all, you know, we're all vaccinated. Orange County actually has one of the highest percentages of people who have had the double shot who are fully vaccinated. Good. So Need more of them. <laughs> if it's yeah. successful, are you, if it's successful, are you likely to do other comics? I'm guessing so. And matter of fact, uh, I have been uh, racking my brain because the reason why he's doing a comic from the 60s is, as Todd knows from trying to go back through and read the original Fantastic Four, it's a lot of tell, don't show. <laughs> mm-hmm. And these captions are way overwritten and it, and it does read like a radio play. So I've been kind of racking my brain. Okay, what are some good Batman stories from back then? What's a good Superman story from back then? Yeah. And of course, oh, you should be doing that. You should be doing the Denny O'Neill stuff. You should be doing the. Uh, you know, I heard. I heard you've been saving the blue people and the orange people. What about the black people? Uh, yeah. I pitched. I pitched the uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, uh, Speedy story, and yep. Brian was like, "Nobody's going to come see Green Lantern, Green Arrow. They'll come see Superman, Batman, Spider Man. You know the big names, Wonder Woman." Thor, Iron Man these days, Captain America, but they're not going to come see Green Lantern. Not after that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so, after Arrow, but, there's a more of a following for that character, yeah, so it's yeah, possible. Yeah. It's possible, but he's going to go for a bigger, you know, one of the big three from the DC death of or... Jean Grey. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, the first yeah, time. That... Yeah, yeah, that's that's not that's not a lot of, but what that's further down. That's that's. Oh gosh, is that seventy nine, eighty? But that's that's not a radio play thing. That is almost all action and very little. Right. Uh, until you get to the last couple pages, the last pages is all narration and a yeah, lot of I, characters. Yeah, I yeah. think I, I think uh, I think you the the pocket is Silver Age. So mm-hmm. yeah, but so. no, you're right. It's it's going to be Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Spider Man, Incredible Four. Yeah. names that no. the average average theater goers are not average comic book readers and so right, it's right, it's right. it's hard to find that crossover but they know these names they know their basic powers 
and and even though Arrow has a decent following as a show, it's not big enough as to be these names that right. you still have to explain the Green Arrow to a lot of people, even if <laughs> yeah. Crisis on Infinite Earths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kingdom Come. That's what there you go. Fantastic 452, first appearance of Black Panther. Yeah. 48 <laughs> through 50, Galactus. You mean that cloud? Galactus. The cloud, yeah. That's the, the, cloud. Cloud. the cloud. The cloud with the face. The cloud. Oh, wait, that was, that was Green Lantern, the cloud with the face, sorry. Yeah. Oh, they are locks. You got yeah. You got your wrong cloud. No, CGI bro. could do clouds real well in the early aughts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you. I think you're thinking of uh, of uh, the day the Earth is still right. <laughs> yeah. that's fantastic, Biggs. I'm so glad you brought that up. And and if you can and are able and are in the area, check it out. Comic reading at the Maverick Theater. Yeah, we're having a ton of fun. And you know, stick around and say hi. I mean. If you're in the early show, of course, it'll be like, "Hi, bye. We got to set up for the next show." But <laughs> you know, but there's a what if you got to set up? Time. What's that? What if you got to set up? Like move uh, the chairs back? Yeah. Okay. And sanitizing, Andy. <laughs> yeah. A lot of that going on now. Steve has to do the sanitizing. Oh, no. Man. Life but... of an actor. <laughs> but uh, we do have to his... kind of move people out. <laughs> Uh, Steve's in I his dressing see, room with his Superman robe on. I want to <laughs> see Steve with some vinyl gloves, a mask, a spritzer, and a sponge, and just give the caption, what, and give up showbiz? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, Matt, what did you do this week? Nothing. Matt, there it is. Well, get it out of way. Hold on. Hold Wait. on. Yeah, where's Paulette? Yeah, yeah we need a second. to get the real answer. <laughs> no, okay. I I did do something today, and I actually texted you about it. I watched Warhammer Fest twenty twenty one, and I went into it thinking like, oh, they're gonna unveil these new rules, tell us about these new armies, you know, what's new in the Warhammer verse. No, it's uh, here's a brand new model. Uh, you can buy this. Here's a brand new model. You can buy this. Yep. Here's a brand new model. Be sure to buy this because your other models are obsolete now. So I was kind of upset about that. But it was neat seeing all the different painting techniques, all that. I'm still shit at painting. Um, I might actually get you taught to do like maybe a friends and family. No, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And that's about it. So that's you it. got inspired by what you saw. Yes. Maybe. Wow. <laughs> Matt inspired. You know, if you know Matt, that is his inspired voice. That is, he That's is true. inspired. He, you can hear it. He, he, when he con- gets inspired, he gets quiet. The quieter <laughs> he gets, the more inspired he is. He constantly sounds whelmed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you just wait, uh, Matt. Uh, Todd still has to paint my orcs, and I told him I want them all done in Vanta Black. Okay. <laughs> no. I told him no. You just wouldn't play the humans, huh? <laughs> you don't want to play the humans? Do you? I'm playing the halflings. Ah, there you yeah. go. See? Because their they're, they're, uh, balls are empanada models, which is really cool. 
They're woo wah wah. <laughs> that came out so wrong. The footballs in Blood Bowl, the footballs are little empty autos. My God. The details, the figures. Are you sure you're not playing an army of Tanuki? <laughs> For those people that don't know, when you get a Blood Bowl team, they all come with their own little footballs, and the halflings are little empanadas. And that's what sold me on that. Empanadas would would sell me on that too. So I I, I get it. And they're um, like their yeah. their helmets are like pots and pans. It's pretty cool. That too. I like halflings. Love to eat. Yeah. That's all. Do you like empanadas <laughs> and wearing pots on your head? <laughs> Kirsten, what did you do this? Orcs. Me? What yeah, did what'd you I do? do? Played a little blo- Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven. You're progressing in this game. We 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 finally a long time ago we found a map, a treasure map, which led to an which was a sunken ship just off an island, and we finally explored that ship. And unlike the last time, we won. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a TPK this time. It was success. And it and felt good. We're pretty sure we did it doing all the rules correctly, too. Yes, <laughs> indeed. When, when you've been away from Gloomhaven for a little bit and you, you, you come back, what, the last time we played this, you said, was October, right? Yeah. We're basically like Andy with every game he plays. It's just got to relearn it all over again. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember the last time, God, this is about five years ago, we... we on our game night, I was like, uh, "Why don't I just, why don't I just bring over some hero clicks and let's play that?" It took us two hours to remind ourselves about the rules. <laughs> it's not, uh, it's not straightforward easy. No, it isn't. And has like Magic: The Gathering just gotten more complex over time, just for all the releases that they've done that have to be compatible with every release they've ever done. Yep, yep. That that was what was killing us is all the additional rules past the basic game. It's like the yeah. basic game we can figure out, but then as we're playing all these, stuff, it's like, wait, what does this symbol mean? <laughs> yeah, well, that I remember when uh, Andy and I were playing Hero Clicks, and uh, Andy's uh, good Star Wars friend Doug Citizen came over, and Doug was a clicky, a clickhead. And 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 I'm still trying to figure out this fucking game. And Doug is like pulling out. They they started doing things like obstacles mm-hmm. and environmental yeah. stuff that you can do. And I'm like, what the fuck? I I can barely figure out how to play this fucking game straight off. Never mind the fact that Andy talks everyone else into attacking my Ultron before <laughs> uh, before attacking him. An evil so. robot needs to be attacked. <laughs> There's Professor Xavier, who then spends the entire game mind controlling people. If you don't attack the evil robot, it'll start playing your video games for you, and then he'll start murdering you. Because that's the natural progression of things. Absolutely. <laughs> I bought a few of those models. I have um, somewhere in a box. Um, I have one of the gigantic Sentinels that was in Heroclix. That is yeah. a uh, that is worth something, brother. Yeah, if I can yeah. find it. I've got an anti-monitor that's... Uh... I've, got a, I've got a hero click that I still haven't revealed because I want to use it as a fig in uh, a D&D game. 
Oh. <laughs> My favorite one I have is uh, Joe Fix It. The, uh, <laughs> the Vegas Hulk. <laughs> yeah. I have two favorite hero clicks. One is a massive size one, and one is the regular hero click. Uh, the massive one, of course, is the great Cthulhu bought at mm. Comic-Con way back. And the small one, my favorite one I have is Eddie from Iron Maiden. They released a Iron Maiden set of hero clicks. <laughs> so I have the uh, uh, Eddie Rising from the Grave. I can't remember the album offhand, and I'm, I'm a bad Iron Man, Maiden fan for doing it. Um, but that one is just a fantastic piece to introduce to any game. Yes, I have uh, Professor Xavier, I have Jean Grey, and I have Eddie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and yes, I said yes, I said that first, Jeff. I, I'm <laughs> sorry, I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't every, I don't always get every word on this when people are talking. Sometimes, like their first one or two words cut out, but on the actual playback and the podcast itself, it seems fine. So, well, that's because it's edited. <laughs> <laughs> A fine point. So, yeah. Matt, don't you have an opinion to weigh in on this? No. <laughs> what I was going to say was, I have, the, I have Punisher, that Sentinel, and I have Juggernaut. That's my little hero clicks. You know which one I've always wanted to get my hands on, but I um, don't need to buy a, a giant expensive figure? The, the uh, Dark Phoenix figure is gorgeous. It's, it's, just, it's all transparent flames, and the figure's in the middle of it. You told me, uh, you, I'm about to say you told me the story, and now I can't remember the story. You either missed out on the Comic-Con that was released, or you missed out on it at Comic-Con or something? You you were, like, I lusting after that figure or something? I think it was just, like, I couldn't see spending that much money on, on one figure. Um, oh. I actually did buy the stupid Scarab from uh, from Halo. But, uh, not the Scarab, what's uh, the big walking robot figure, the big... Uh, the four-legged, uh, the four-legged walking giant walking robot from Halo. Dude, I've forgotten all my Halo lore as well. Mm. And this is a hero click. Yes, it was. It was uh, uh, probably two feet by by a foot and a half by two feet. It was huge. I yeah, actually I sold it at. Uh, I sold it at uh, um, uh, a little shop of magic when they're having one of their their yard sale things. Because uh, we weren't playing, and because uh, it was just huge and ridiculous to store, and yeah, it didn't spark joy anymore. Oh, Andy, a friend of mine has that uh, Dark Phoenix hero click. It is, it is gorgeous. He, uh, he, he's. You're right. He spent a lot of money to get it, and uh, he's glad he was able to get it at Comic Con because it's now like on the secondary and tertiary market, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I just looked up uh, the Halo one. The one I what I had was the Halo Scarab, and it's selling for about five hundred bucks on eBay now. <laughs> What'd you sell for? What'd you sell for? Two bucks. I don't. Ten bucks. I don't remember. Twenty bucks. I, I, no, I'm sure it was, I was probably a hundred. Is my guess. You in trade for a hundred in trade? Yes. Store credit. <laughs> <laughs> store credit. <laughs> That's how that stuff works. He's not wrong. The other thing is, is uh, you know, caught up on Invincible. Holy mackerel. Um, yeah. I've read a few things and, you know, there's not much else to report on it. it at least it wasn't a completely dry geeky week, but, uh, 
Yeah, Gloomhaven, The Roll 20, Invincible. You know, I figured I did my geekness for the week. The only thing I did for the week that was worth talking about was finish off Invincible. And I can't praise that show enough. They took that comic, which was already a really good comic, and really fleshed it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way that show ends is how that comic moment does end. But boy, they expand it in a way that really brings the emotion through that the comic didn't. The comic, it's an emotional moment. But they are really good at expanding the characters in this show. Yeah. Because uh, there are comic characters in this show that are in the comic that are pretty flat, one-dimensional characters. But this, everybody in this cartoon, in this animated show is a fleshed-out, three-dimensional character that has pathos, and the show is so effective because of it. It's it's the show I want to see, and I'm so glad that they have uh, not only announced a second, but third season as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think my only qualm with it was the, the big Omni-Man reveal was not really much of a reveal. I mean, it it seemed so obvious from basically the first episode, but I do love how the characters' genuine emotional reactions to that reveal was portrayed throughout that uh, that series. So, you know, for something that you know is completely foreshadowed and it's not a surprise to the characters themselves, it being a surprise and the way that they emoted uh, was fantastic. Yeah, the voice acting is pretty spectacular. Oh, the actors that they've gotten for this thing, it, it's spectacular across the board. I mean, even, I mean the, even the minor characters are voiced by major actors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. come on, J.K. Simmons. How can you go wrong with J.K. Simmons? Yeah. Walton Goggins, Zachary yes. Quinto. Walter I mean, come Goggins. on. Clancy yeah. Brown, Mark yeah. Hamill. The, the, the list, John Hamm, Seth Rogen. It's, it's Gary Anthony Williams. In very small roles, these people. Yeah. But the whole thing is cast like it is an A-list Marvel film. Yeah. Right. And I always say her name wrong. I, I think it's Gillian. I always say I call her Gillian, but Gillian Jacobs that was yes. on Community. Yes. Uh, as Adam Eve. That was a great character. Um, Zazie Beetz, who played uh, the, um, the girlfriend. Um, whose name is escaping me right now? Amber, that's the name. Uh, so, uh, yeah, everybody was just phenomenal. And I think that's what really puts this show over everything else. Because one of the things that really kills me when watching, uh, like, the DC animated stuff, they they get some good actors, don't get me wrong, but they also get some poor actors, too. Right. <laughs> there are some bad performances in some of those animated movies. In this, there is not a bad performance by anybody. There is nobody phoning it in. There is right. nobody they just grabbed off the side like you get in some video game animation where it's like that was obviously a programmer that they said, say these words into this microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Or this, a whole bunch although, of actors reading comic books in a theater or some bullshit like that. Right, no right. amateur hour shit. Uh-huh. And it shows. There is so much love put into this top-notch writing, top-notch acting, and then the the just the production and design of it all. I don't think I've seen a better animated superhero show since the original Incredibles. Yeah, 
My uh, goodness. I, I, would, I would say animated Batman would have a word with you, the 93 one. Early 90s Batman. Uh, yes. That, three that quarters. predates of. The Incredibles, though. Oh, Steve. Stop that. Like, <laughs> drop. And, and that, that made some uh, voice careers, too. So it's... Yeah. Uh, Batman the Animated Series, it not only set a standard for superhero cartoons, animation, uh, style, and approach. Um, they, were, they were one of the first series to actually push out beyond voice actors and hire um, actors. You know, what the hell do you call an actor who's not a voice actor by trade? I don't know. I don't want to say actor actors, but to den- you know, denigrate oh. voice actors. But they, stage, they got stage and they screen got, actors. Yeah, stage and screen actors, names, people with names yeah. to come in. I, the Batman the Animated Series just changed. It changed everything. So that's the legacy all of this comes from. But yeah, yep. it does predate the Incredibles. So, you know, that's I, I wrong. Just, I love when they move to, uh, I can't remember if. If she first appeared in the Superman animated or the or the Justice League animated, but when they when they put Granny Goodness uh, in the cartoon, it was voiced by Ed Asner. I know, <laughs> right? That's oh, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he just threw himself into it. It was oh, awesome. absolutely. <laughs> so that means we can have a Granny Goodness uh, up crossover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Geek Shock Book Club is reading uh, John Scalzi's The Android's Dream. That is the book for May. Squeaked out, just barely eked out Stephen King's The Black House. Whoa, Lord, it's, it's, it's about electric sheep. Oh, thank you. It, it, it actually, yeah, it actually is. Yeah. yeah, thank you for that. There he is, folks. Bring in the funny. <laughs> Bring in the funny. Back it on up, Andy. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Let us all pause in a moment of hilarity commemorate <laughs> joy and laughter that has been elicited. <laughs> dot, 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 dot. <laughs> and I want to shout out because uh, it turns out that my sister listens to the show. Oh, good so, God. So, Erica. I, I'm so happy that you're listening. That's awesome. And her husband, Josh. So this is, this is for you. Uh, thanks for being shock monkeys. And, and I love that you're, you're listening. So hi. Hope to see you very soon. And given that, let's do some news you don't give a shit about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so goddamn wrong. News you don't give a shit about. Okay. Like last week's sports thing. I'm a little curious about this one. But not because I'm interested. I just want to see how it's going to end. (laughs) All right. A new entertainment firm has announced plans to stage fights in orbit featuring MMA fighters. What? <laughs> it's so nuts, so, but it was bound to happen sooner or later. Producer Andrea Ervolino 
is a founder of Space Eleven, a production company whose projects include TV shows, movies, live events, and future sporting contests unfolding in outer space. So it's it's the Colin Bastro. <laughs> I was just gonna do that. Show. Damn it! <laughs> uh, but the first show they're producing is called Galactic Combat. A rough reality TV show starring an international cast of 40 mixed martial arts athletes who will train and clash both on Earth and in zero gravity. 32 of the 40 contestants first compete in an elimination style format on Earth. The eight final contestants then buckle up and blast off for a trip into space and eventually battle it out aboard an aircraft while orbiting Earth for 90 minutes. Is it a Vomit Comet thing? I Yes, yes, but longer. Oh, uh, my God. Because Vomit Comet has only so much time because you're doing a parabolic dive. Yeah, this is they're actually going to go into orbit for 90 minutes and, and fight in zero-G. Nice. So, basically, they're going to have no power behind any of their shots. That's and, not going to work. And when the shots hit, they, they're going to move and won't be able to chase them unless they're kind of tethered in some way, either to each other, maybe. Uh, again, I'm not interested in this project, but I want to see how it's going to work. It'll be all grappling. It'll be a spectacular failure. I'm going to be sad because I got a feeling this is eventually just going to be like a pay-per-view thing that we won't be able to see it on any kind of streaming or network or HBO or anything. It, it's so specific that it's, it's got to be a pay-per-view event at the end of it. Because wow, that's what man. people want to see. They'll, they'll show the first episodes on whatever. But oh when God. they go into space, I'll bet they go pay-per-view. I know you exactly know what, where they're going to stream it. Okay. Starlink Plus. <laughs> Like plus, but uh, you know what? Here it is. We eventually we were going to have TV shows in space that weren't documentaries about space that were actual just caught the Colin Bastro of, of TV shows. So so so, 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 so so hold on a minute here. So what you're trying to tell me is that it's a mixed martial artist bout in space? Exactly that, Colin Bastro. Exactly. You, you kick and then you move in the equal and opposite direction once you've struck them. I'm just, at this point, I'm waiting for the announcement of Real Housewives of Low Earth Orbit. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually giving me Real Housewives of the Marianas Trench. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if they do it in Low Earth Orbit, all those boobs are going to decompress <laughs> and explode. <laughs> is, there, is there a timeline on this? Have they no. This? No, this this is basically concept at this point. Mm. Oh but, boy! But this production company that is their their focus is just doing space shows. And when yeah. I say that, shows in space. Yeah. Wow. Have Ooh. they done any yet? Nope. <laughs> this is first. This is nobody the has. <laughs> so, so it's a milestone of entertainment. Sure, they are. Oh. The so they haven't done any shows in. Space yet, and this is going to be their opening act. Not ballet, not yeah, okay, fine, all right. Yeah, ballet is going to bring in the, the viewing audience. I, I just, uh, it's kind of amazing. You have actually thrown out a news story that, if you looked in the dictionary under news you don't give a shit about, 
this is prime example. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out like literally in my head, not only the, the physics, but the logistics of it, because <laughs> any, any spacecraft right now that would be able to take civilians into orbit, even for 90 minutes only has a very small capacity. Yeah. And, yeah. and I know that company's not going to want people throwing punches inside <laughs> their craft because there's a lot of delicate equipment in there. <laughs> Uh, and not only the, the physics of it, you know, like we were saying a, a little bit ago, it's like you try to throw a punch, you know, it's going to take forever to, you know, get yourself over back to the same general area as your opponent if you actually make contact because Newtonian laws are already in effect at that point because grappling. Uh. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of grappling. It's, it's all chokeholds. All, all <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I it just it's it doesn't sound like it would even be a remotely entertaining thing if it's all <laughs> it's just be really cool grappling. watching those guys spin around when somebody does an arm bar. So hard to yeah, so hard to maintain a half Nelson when you cover his space vomit. Yeah, yeah. Slippery. Boy, Andy's really really focusing on the vomit. People are going to tune in for Star Wars and get Solaris. <laughs> Tune in for the Star Wars. Get your Solaris. Save for the Solaris. Or or Event Horizon, one of the two. <laughs> the ending of two thousand one. Yeah. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about a golden Nintendo Wii. That's the original Wii. Originally created as a gift for the Queen of England has found its way onto eBay. For $300,000, you could own the golden console that Queen Elizabeth II once said no to. The market oh. gimmick... No? I thought, it was, I, was, I thought it was something that, uh, that uh, Harry had like put on eBay or something. No, it's not even that cool. The marketing gimmick that was delivered to Buckingham Palace more than a decade ago didn't have the political pull to get a direct audience with Her Majesty. Years so, after, so she said, we are not amused? Yes. <laughs> we. Really? So Andy, you actually had a physical conniption fit to, to, to get that line I out? Did. I did. Right? It, it's a joke from 12 years ago, but he loved it. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought he was going to lose his shit waiting for his opportunity to deliver that one too because they just see him on the, his little screen oh, no, there I delivered, I delivered it and didn't get my breath out I was still laughing at it <laughs> years after developer THQ created the one-off console to promote its then new big family games the 24-karat golden Nintendo Wii, as described on its eBay listing, is now for grabs. Uh, apparently through a series of, of murky events, uh, the golden game system wound up in the possession of a Dutch collector in 2017. <laughs> and, and he's the one selling it because apparently he's not into that stuff anymore. So you're saying it's not the royal Wii. <laughs> ah! <laughs> That was yeah. a I win the internet. <laughs> I want to high five you, but I can't. <laughs> I win the internet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I 
golden Nintendo Wii. That's what happens after I drink too much high C and play video games. <laughs> it's covered in 24 karat gold. Even the controllers are gold. It's yours for $300,000. I, I, I checked earlier. There's still no takers. Oh, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Use that solid comic book voiceover money. That's right. Yeah. We're going to be buying shit off eBay, but I mean, my Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I checked earlier, and it's only 66 bucks. Yeah, it's not bad, actually. Careful. You guys are going to get me back into Hero Clicks, and that can't happen. <laughs> <laughs> like a week and a half ago, I went to Little Shop of Magic, and they had their Hero Clicks section, and I looked at it. I walked away, and I want to keep it that way. Yeah. Walk right over to the Warhammer 40K section, right? I did. I am. <laughs> did you say you went there a week ago? Ah, everyone's playing the home oh, game. Oh, man. Wow, that joke was really weak. <laughs> oh, God. I can't believe we resurrected Wii jokes. <laughs> <laughs> We did. <laughs> Even their marketing was that joke. <laughs> <laughs> and then they cried wee 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 all the way home. Nope, not getting better. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's Andy, Todd. The, the, the goal has nothing to do with getting better. <laughs> so, <laughs> sort of grind it straight to the ground as far as it'll go. <laughs> See, you have to be a Buckingham Palace guard with him. No reaction. Just what's, there. what's terrible is he had to get a spade and trowel, dig up that joke, <laughs> lift it up to the sun, and now he's slowly bringing it back down into the ground. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Citizen Kane just Arrested. lost its perfect 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes. Thanks to the addition of an 80-year-old review. Its near-perfect rating of 99% now places it one point below the new victor, 2017's Paddington 2. Two, not the first. Two. Correct. Uh, the review uh, that was put up originally published in May 1941 edition of the Chicago Tribune. The old review was penned by May Tinney, which, as the Morning Call points out, is a pseudonym that recalls the word matinee. The true identity of the writer is unknown, but it was published. And here's, a, here's an excerpt from that review. Quote, it's interesting. It's different. In fact, it's bizarre enough to become a museum piece, but it's sacrifice of simplicity to eccentricity robs it of distinction and general entertainment, reads the snippet added to Rotten Tomatoes in early March of this year. Paddington 2. This is from what, 41? 41, yeah. That's rather late. For Citizen Kane? Yeah. When was Citizen Kane? 41. What? No. Some sort of device. 1941. Yeah. Kane was 41? Yeah. Yes. But now I'm not impressed with it. <laughs> William Randolph Hearst was actively trying to stop that movie from getting made. And then once it ended up getting made and theatrically released, he did attempt to bribe movie reviewers to give it poor reviews. So 
he is actually uh, Matt Tenney. <laughs> it could be. So I mean, it's I've never it's, seen it. There's well, that's your loss. <laughs> Although once you realize it's 1941, uh, Matt, you won't be as impressed. <laughs> so uh, May Tenney is a Nanda Boom of Mrs. Zach Elton for the Chicago uh, Tribune, but. <laughs> They kept using it. It was it was sort of the Alan Smithy of uh, film reviewers, <laughs> as late as the 1940s. So and she wasn't the one that did it, but they, it was her non plume they were using. Paddington 2 director Paul King joked that if Wells had been able to utilize 21st century filmmaking technology, he might have been able to make a film that was nearly as good as Paddington 2. <laughs> Continuing his quote, but he had to make do, the director said. He had mustered his meager talent into merely knocking out Citizen Kane, unquote. <laughs> so he's, 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 he's got his head in the right place for that. So I can appreciate that. Was one that. Of the, uh, that was one of the uh, questions on uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. They, they went into the whole thing about that. They, they introduced it by quoting something from Paddington 2. That wasn't bad, but it's, uh, <laughs> they, actually, they actually had a quote from Paddington 2 and said, you know, with it, the, this movie knocked out Citizen Kane. I mean, that's just it. It didn't knock out anything. It, it was knocked out by a found review, and being that it is an actual critic's review from the time, that works toward its percentage. I just don't think we'll be talking about Paddington 2 in 50 years, whereas we're still talking about... Citizen Kane nearly 80 years later. So, well, I'll meet you in 50 years and we'll have this discussion. Exactly 80 years later. Yeah, you're right. Exactly 80 <laughs> years later. So, so I have to ask who here has seen Paddington 2? Nobody's seen Paddington 2. I'm not ever. Nobody at all. Uh, enough critics gave its thumbs up that it's at 100%. It's obviously a good movie, even if it's not our particular cup of tea. And I have to admit, just when I hear people talk about the Paddington movies, they really, really like them a lot. Hmm. So who here is going to take the bullet and watch Paddington for the show? The total gross for Paddington 2 worldwide, $227.3 million. That's worldwide? Yeah. Uh, $40.9 million in the U.S. and Canada. It says and it's on both, Hulu. Yeah, both Paddington films are on Hulu. All right, there it is. So who here has Hulu without ads? I do, but I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I have Hulu with ads, and I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> if I remember yeah, it exists, maybe I have I, it. There you go, Andy. Get to work. There, there you go. There's your instructions. But I uh, watch Paddington 1 so that you can watch Paddington right, 2. I, Otherwise, you're going to have I, a whole Bad Batch moment. I don't want to miss any of those subtleties. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Who am I, who am I kidding? I watched the Garfield movies. That's <laughs> true. I can almost guarantee you that Paddington and Paddington 2 will be better than the Garfield movies. I think that's a good bet. Yeah. <laughs> it might not be better than Cats and Dogs, though. Cats and Dogs 2 is pretty damn good. The first Cats and Dog was decent. I never saw the second one. The second one opens up with an absolutely brilliant theme song. They, uh, it was um, Shirley Bassey singing Get This Party Started, <laughs> which is an absolutely perfect James Bond theme. The, the, the pink song? Yes. 
Curious. Oh, yeah. Shirley Bassett is very good. Shirley Bassett can change anything into, into gold, though. She is the yeah, she yeah. is the Rapunzel of of music. <laughs> you mean yeah, I, into a gold finger? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you don't give a shit about former Oklahoma resident Karen McBride learned that she was the subject of an arrest warrant for forgetting to return a rental copy of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, the old school ABC one starring Melissa Joan Hart. See, the, the movie palace rental outlet where the tape had been reported missing went out of business sometime in the mid-2000s, but the ghost of rentals past was following her because the overdue charge reportedly came up when she recently tried to apply for a driver's license in Texas and was told she was wanted by law enforcement. <laughs> Quote, I went to change my driver's license during this COVID thing. You had to make an appointment. And so I sent them an email and they sent me an email and they told me that I had an issue in Oklahoma. McBride said after contacting the district attorney's office, McBride was reportedly informed of the issue that had apparently been following her for more than two decades. The DA's office quote, told me this was over a VHS tape and I had to make her repeat it because I thought, this is insane. This girl is kidding me, right? She, she wasn't kidding. I had lived with a young man. This was over 20 years ago. He had two kids, daughters that were 8, 10, or 11 years old, and I'm thinking he went and got it and didn't take it back or something, she said. I've never watched that show in my entire life. It's just not my cup of tea. Meanwhile, I'm a wanted felon for a VHS tape. I mean, I didn't try to deceive anyone over Samantha the Teenage Witch. I swear, unquote. Uh, the you really say Samantha? Yeah, it says Samantha. It oh, says Samantha inside C because that's how she promotes <laughs> and, and 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 Todd, absolutely dead on Michael Caine. Thank you. I've been working <laughs> on it because I have stiff competition on this show. <laughs> Indeed. The DA's office reviewed the case, agreed that there was no remaining victim to represent, and has decided to drop the felony charge from McBride. The oh, felony wow. Charge. Felony? Yes, it was a felony charge that was keeping her from getting her driver's license for this. Lord. Ex- How much does the fine just- have to be to become a felony? Well, I imagine. $50. Really? That's all? Oh, yeah, back in my days working at a comic book store in the uh, the early 90s, we would have guys shoplift like four adventure modules, like D&D games or something, just slide them in their pants, and they would be shocked when uh, we would catch them and call the police and they would be brought up for felony theft. Wow. 50 bucks. And if you think that a VHS tape accrues a charge of a dollar per day or however they do, <laughs> and there's no cap on it, you'll, you'll reach that yeah. for too long. Right. Not to mention and, over 20 years. <laughs> yeah. And they'll call the when the VH ta- tapes were, were like 50 to 100 bucks, they were called priced for rental. Well, they do. You guys call the Hall of Justice and Judge Dredd shows up? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> The problem is that this tape is still missing. So there is still a felony happening now. And it's it must be solved. So I hope that the police are never mind. If well you no, you heard the story. It's that it's that guy's daughters who are now grown up and they're they're strippers then felony. 
Both of them. <laughs> <gasps> oh my god, that's such a great stripper name. Holy shit balls. <laughs> I'm telling you. Felony, felony VHS. <laughs> Misdemeanor. You're on the, the stage two. Misdemeanor. But but actually, Todd, the police right now, they're combing goodwills all over Oklahoma. So okay. they'll eventually find it. Now, now, you've got it completely wrong, Kay. It's... Uh... Uh, gentlemen, coming to the stage, it's misdemeanor felony standby. Yeah, yeah. okay, completely wrong. <laughs> if you are, if you are anyone you know has any information, please call Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that show if someone did a a Is that your stock house, spoof, really a mock spoof show. Yeah. Making it just as intense as yeah. Solved Mysteries is, but make it just the most innocuous shit. Yeah. <laughs> On September 14th, 2021. Yeah. Little Tommy Johnson lost his turtle. <laughs> Did it, was it stolen by his friend, Billy, Billy Bronson? If you or anyone you know has any information leading to the, <laughs> leading to the recovery yes! of turtle, turtle Timmy, Please call Unsolved Mysteries. It has to be if you or anybody <laughs> you, you know, know has any information about the recovery of little Tommy Tuttle, please call was, Unsolved Mysteries. I was I was I was playing with, with my turtle and we was I was with my best friend Jimmy. We've been friends for for years and I was with my turtle, and then it was there. <laughs> <laughs> Full oh, recreations, gotta... everything. Yeah. Yo, hey, man, adult. this turtle's just whack. This Billy got, you know, you got to get the IP in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Except, except the recreations are done with. I said the with... turtle was gone, and she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, the turtle's gone. And she's like, what? And I said, the turtle and she's like the turtle and i'm like yeah the turtle's gone and she's like what and you raped Excuse her didn't you come on man you tell me you raped her you fucking raped her i <laughs> <laughs> still where's the dark. turtle where did this come yeah. from the turtle the turtle rape ice tea everything's a rape <laughs> yeah oh uh, we have never seen uh, unsolved mysteries have you met <laughs> <laughs> no they don't all air in all Canada because they're too good for that. <laughs> and they don't show out Florida because everyone's on it. Yeah. Uh, all the recreation actors are uh, 18 plus to play 12. <laughs> yes! Yes. <laughs> I want this show badly. Green, green fucking light. <laughs> Weekend Geek! Yay! Yay! I still want my turtle stealing show. Legendary Studios is in talks with Godzilla versus Kong director Adam Wingard to helm another giant monster film in the Godzilla verse. Apparently, one title that's being kicked around is Son of Kong. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong has currently made 406 million globally, making it the highest grossing Hollywood movie released since the pandemic and the second most financially successful film of the Warner Brothers slash legendary MonsterVerse franchise. 
following 2017's Kong Skull Island, which grossed $566 million globally. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, nearly killed all hopes of the franchise due to underperforming at the box office and receiving less than stellar reviews. Its follow-up has reversed the series' fortunes. On top of this, it was reported that Wingard would be making John Woo's 97 face-off reboot for Paramount Pictures. And last month, he was writing and directing a Thundercats movie, so he's a busy guy, but he's excited about returning to the MonsterVerse. Oh my god, I've got it. Godzuki versus Son of Kong. You're right. That'll bring all the boys to the end. <laughs> it's, and that's where it's going to go, right? Son of Kong, then you got... Yeah, you're right, Jeff. You are, you are prognosticating properly. Indeed. Where does Mighty Joe Young come into this? Good question. Rival, rival studio. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, that's a Disney joint, I believe. Yep. Now, fans of the franchise, just based on what I get from Buzz and what I hear from talking people and you guys, that the favorite movie of everything is Godzilla, King of the Monsters, for those... Uh, the, the nerdy ones amongst us. But based on the numbers, it looks like people are there for Kong. Yeah. Well, obviously Kong is the, uh, the, the humpback whales of, uh, you know, the monster movies. <laughs> that, or I also think that Godzilla King of the Monsters found its audience on home video. Ah. And, and so when this movie came out, people were like, yeah, yeah, that last one was really good. You probably have uh, a point there. I like that. But it it was a big concern when this one came out that this was going to be it. This was the swan song of the the whole thing. But no, everyone turned out to the movie theater. I mean, not to mention all the people that watched it at home. Right. I'm excited. I, I want after that last movie, I'm like, yeah, I want more of this. This was goofy, popcorn, dumb fun. Let's do more of this. And being that the same director wants to do the next one. Yeah. Looks like we are. Bring on the Mysterians. <laughs> <laughs> and in if you and personally, that's exciting news. The next piece of news is even more exciting for me personally, and I got a feeling it's going to be for Kay as well. Uh-oh. The new live action Green Lantern Corps has its first member. TV Line reports that Finn Wittrock, best known for, uh, well, best known to genre fans for projects like American Horror Story, Freak Show, and Ratched, has joined the cast of the developing HBO series Green Lantern, marking the show's first major casting. Wittrock will play Guy Gardner, the oh. brash, outspoken, often obnoxious Green Lantern of Earth, who debuted in 1968 and has since become integral to both the Green Lantern Corps and other DC Comics teams, most famously Justice League International. Uh, Green Lantern is co-written by Greg Berlanti and Mark Guggenheim, the minds behind Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow. Seth Graham Smith, best known for Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and the Lego Batman movie, will serve as showrunner on the streaming series which serves as the first major Green Lantern live-action project for HBO Max, or for Warner Brothers in general, for the whole modern DC Universe-building era. The project was originally set to be a film, but sat in development for years with no major involvement before HBO Max came along and advanced Warner's interest in small-screen worlds to build alongside its big-screen universe. 
that and that also has led to Matt Reeves' upcoming The Batman spinoff focused on Gotham City Police and James Gunn's The Suicide Squad spinoff focused on Peacemaker. So those are all also HBO Max products. Green Lantern was first announced as a HBO Max project in the fall of 2019. And in 2020, the streamer revealed the series is expected to focus on a group of key Green Lanterns, both classic and modern. The series will be a bit of a time hopper beginning in the 1940s with closeted FBI agent Alan Scott, the first Green Lantern in DC Comics, before moving to Gardner in the 1980s, then jumping forward with more modern characters, which were previously reported to be fellow Lanterns Jessica Cruz and Simon Boz. The show is developing on HBO Max. They've cast my favorite Lantern, Guy Gardner. I love the Lanterns in general. If, If you had to ask me, what is your favorite DC of all time? It's Lanterns. I love the Green Lanterns. The fact that they're developing this for series, and I, I couldn't be more ex- excited or happy for this news. And Winterock was excellent in American Horror Story Freak Show. So, yes, I, I think he's great for the part. <laughs> now, I was going to ask you why, of all the lanterns, Guy Gardner is your favorite. Then I thought about it. It's like, oh, he's the asshole. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Not hard to figure out. And again, never play a game that involves betrayal with Guy Gardner. True. <laughs> Even I wouldn't do that. I wonder if this means that they are holding off John Stewart and or Hal Jordan for a big screen lantern. That makes sense. Yeah, because supposedly there's also a movie in development at the same time that they're working on the the Max series. So you're mm-hmm. probably right. And apparently, John Stewart. Was supposed to be part of the uh, Snyder cut, but his scenes got cut. Ah, yeah, they actually were shot and and everything, and they got cut. And it's like I thought this was the Snyder cut. I Do didn't realize they would shot those scenes. I yeah. thought that they, they had planned to, but never did. No, they well, played to. Uh, no, they shot it. No, oh, okay, interesting. Uh, Wayne T. Carr. Snyder's not the same person today that he was back when he shot everything, so the Snyder cut that we got probably would not have been even remotely like the Snyder cut he would have made had his uh, family not had the tragedy that they had. So Right. Too true. Too and true. I also, I also wonder if this wasn't Warner Brothers going, you know, we have a Green Lantern project in development. Let's save yeah, him yeah. for that. I hope they use him because he looks good. Yeah. And of all the comics that, you know, Superman, the big names, Green Lantern is the one that is, I'm going to say easier because it's cosmic, but story-wise, easier to expand upon as a standalone series versus Mm -hmm. doing like a Hal Jordan or whoever you want to have for your main Lantern for the movies. There's so much story around the Lanterns universe-wide that you're not starved to go, what do we talk about next? <laughs> right. All right. Nort all the time. <laughs> yeah, all Nort, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a goddamn planet that's a Green Lantern, for goodness <laughs> sake. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. It, it would be uh, a, a TV series explaining the Green Lantern Corps. That, that just makes so much sense. That's right. the way I mean, you want to go, yeah. Yeah, and then if you do that first, you fleshed out the core, so then when you do your movie, you already have the world building done. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Now's the moment where we honor a few people that we lost. Uh, This week we lost Nathan Young, 
an actor known for playing Genghis Khan in the 1969 episode of the original Star Trek TV series. He has died at the age of 74. Uh, Young's turn is Khan in Star Trek. That's the Genghis Khan, not the other Khan. Was his second acting role after 1963 guest spot in the long-running medical soap opera General Hospital. The episode of Trek, co-written by series creator Gene Roddenberry, was entitled The Savage Curtain and found the Enterprise crew joining forces with historical figures like Genghis Khan and Abraham Lincoln in an experiment conducted by aliens who want to understand the concepts of good and evil. Young's career took off from there, spanning almost five decades with roles in Kung Fu, Kentucky Fried Movie, uh, John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 70s TV show, The A-Team, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and Sam Raimi's Dark Man. The actor's final project came in 2016 when he narrated Nathan Young v. Bruce Lee, a short documentary about his real-life encounter with Bruce Lee on the set of Here Come the Brides in the late 60s. Also this week, we lost Apollo 11 astronaut and command module pilot Michael Collins. He has died at the age of 90. Collins was most notably a member of NASA's famed moon landing mission that delivered Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin to the lunar surface on July 20th, 1969. As Armstrong and Aldrin dropped down in the Eagle Lander to make humankind's first historic steps on the moon, Collins was patiently circling 60 miles above in the Columbia command module. Collins conducted two separate spacewalks on Gemini 10, becoming the fourth person to exit a spacecraft to work in the cold void of space, and became the first astronaut ever to transfer from one spacecraft to another. So when the two guys were down on the moon making names for themselves, he was the one going over the checklists to make sure they could all get home safe and basically do the things necessary should something go wrong on the planet, or the moon, I should say. And you took that that one great picture of the uh, lunar module coming back to the ship with the moon behind it and the earth behind that, basically showing the habitats of every human alive at the time, except Michael Collins. Yeah. (laughs) What a a way to frame that. Wow. Yeah. Well, not to mention all the years that he uh, was working with the National Air and Space Museum just tirelessly going from city to city and promoting that, not to mention doing a lot of administrative services mm-hmm. for the Air and Space Museum. Just a, a, a tireless proponent of space exploration and was constantly pushing our government and other governments to get back into exploring deep space, you know, trying to get to other planets and not just with probes, but human exploration. He's somebody that his, uh, his passion for, for NASA and you know, space exploration in general will sorely be missed. It's, uh, it's really weird that we only have Buzz Aldrin left now from that original crew of three. Yeah. Who will kick your ass if you yes. try to say <laughs> Moonlight is fake. <laughs> Don't say the, that out loud. Fly out of the Buzz void kick and bam! <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I, I never think anybody should be assaulted in life, but man, that guy so deserved that punch in the face. He thought he was going to ambush Buzz and get him to to 
admit to something, and the you could just see the rage on his face when he hauled back and decked the guy. <laughs> yeah, it still cracks me up to this day. Punch Nazis and always punch um, moon landing deniers. <laughs> <laughs> so Nathan Young, Michael Collins, we honor you both. Speaking of Jeff Goldblum earlier, Jeff Goldblum's next project uh-huh. will skip the role of Balmer, an elven sorcerer in the Dungeons and Dragons podcast Dark Dice. In the uh, new, I, uh, I, uh, I, I, I'm going to cast a magic missile and uh, fire it at him. In a new season called The Long March. Uh, Dark Dice's quest takes place after a failed attempt to save the world and follows the team's hunt for revenge against the other player-controlled team. Interesting enough. To complicate matters, Goldblum's team is stalked by a creature known as the Silent One, a deceptive being that steals the face and voice of any creature it chooses. Dark Dice features a diverse cast, uh, international, uh, immersive soundscapes, and original soundtrack, with a live choir singing in Elvish, Icelandic, and Infernal. The first I'm episode. Sorry. A live choir singing in Elvish? Yes. Okay. I'm guessing they're not singing live at that moment. It's probably a live choir recorded in no, Elvish. It's, it's the singing in Elvish part I'm confused by. Are they singing Tolkien's Elvish? Or... That sounds I'm like gonna, it's got. I'm going to guess so, or they're some equation otherwise you're it's, overthinking it andy doesn't it's matter Dave's elvish. <laughs> i i like i like how he got stumped by elvish and infernal just went right by him yeah. like yeah, you know infernal right well, you're, you're not going to get sued by the tolkien estate for doing infernal because he didn't do infernal that's your concern that that's your real question is tolkien going to sue these people for doing language that Tolkien Only made. Only if they made. do it in Cinderin, Andy. It's maybe yeah. the geekiest thing we've ever said on the show. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, you're trying, you're trying, but it's like, El- uh, he, uh, he wrote an Elvish language. He actually wrote a couple Elvish languages. But that doesn't mean that they'll be singing in Tolkien's Elvish language. For all we know, they made up the language themselves and made it sound elvish, and they're calling it that. Either way, they're singing those three languages, and that's what goddamn matters. Right. <laughs> no, the first... they had to steal from Tolkien. They might have invented Infernal, but they wouldn't have invented Elvish. They'd have stolen that. <laughs> <laughs> the first episode of this new season with Goldblum will launch on May 12th with new episodes releasing monthly on all podcasting platforms. Again, it's Dark Dice. I'm disappointed this is just a podcast, though. I thought they, they might be streaming, but I guess uh, I guess they're not. No, it's no, yeah. Just the audio. Uh, this podcast is very well known for high pro- uh, production value. Uh, music, sound is a big, big thing for this one. So they, they try to make it immersive in that regard as much as they can, but still very much aware that this is a story being led by the game. So it doesn't lose that aspect. Because that was my concern. is like, well, if you're telling such an, an immersive fantasy, are you just telling a fantasy story that was written at the, t- at the game table? But no, it's, it, is, it is still the game. And Goldblum's in it. 
always, always, always throw a fireball. Uh, oh. <laughs> that's what I was hoping for when I said that bullshit. I was hoping Tom would edit it out and you'd say what I said, but better. <laughs> Thank you. I just can't. No, I you can't, weren't. No, you weren't. <laughs> I just can't what? fathom how long that turn is going to take if Goldblum has to, to read <laughs> those lines. And my edits aren't cut and paste. They are removal only. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. World of Darkness. That's the lore-rich tabletop gaming universe that started with Vampire the Masquerade is making the move to screens both big and small. The IP has been picked up for multiple TV and film projects via an o- overall deal with production company Hivemind. Uh, they're the ones that did The Witcher, Bloodshot, and The Expanse. And writer-producer duo Eric Hessier, who did The Arrival and Shadow and Bone. And Christine Boylan, who did The Punisher series. Uh, featuring a diverse array of supernatural characters and settings that mix horror, fantasy, sci-fi, even elements of cyberpunk to an eerie effect. World of Darkness started life in 1991 with tabletop RPG Vampire the Masquerade and launched a critically acclaimed roster of early 90s follow-up tabletop titles including Werewolf the Apocalypse, Mage the Ascension, Wraith the Oblivion, Changeling the Dreaming, and lots of other smaller ones. Paradox owns the rights to both the tabletop and video games and is also reportedly on board for World of Darkness crossover into TV and film as a creative partner in the overall deal. The game series has earned a devoted fan following for blending genres as it populates its lore-laden setting with supernatural creatures who navigate the morally gray area of keeping their eldritch urges in check, or not for some, as they live in the socially fraught world of regular humans. Think one part true blood and one part Dungeons and Dragons and you'll sort of <laughs> be in the ballpark. Uh, though the series has been especially praised by critics for its focus on serious scenarios that frame diversity and inclusion within the sci-fi horror universe. There's no early word on the specific TV or movie titles that will be spawned by the deal, nor on where or when we might see them. Uh, but it's officially happening. Uh, there was one attempt back in the 90s. A, Aaron Spelling. Yes, Aaron Spelling did get the rights <laughs> to Vampire the Masquerade and made a quickly canceled show. I can't even remember what it was called, but it's uh, it was not good. It was not very good at all. You need uh, to circle back on this next week because uh, uh, Barry was a player of this game. Barry was a LARPer of this game. Yes. Yeah, he didn't just play it. He lived it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kindred the Embrace, Todd, was the name that of the TV is, series. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, it was called Oof. Kindred the Embrace. Uh, if you're unlucky, you might find an episode or two on YouTube, but I can't guarantee it. I believe it was only eight episodes from what I can see. Yes, yeah. I-, I owned the DVD box set of it. Um, Did you really? Yeah. It's not good. What was the how uh, did you end up how did you end up owning that? Uh, my DVD collection is strange and varied. That's the only thing I can say about it. I, I will say I was excited at the time. I watched it when it came on. Initially I I was a big pet fan of Vampire the Masquerade in college. Played it 
not a huge amount, but whenever I could, and co- continued to collect the books in this series of RPGs over time. So when TV in the 90s, when geek things weren't taken seriously at all, somebody is making a TV show out of a r- tabletop role-playing game, I'm going to be there, especially if it is Vampire the Masquerade. Of course, it was my fault for thinking they might turn something good out of it being an Aaron Spelling joint. It's there. It's on YouTube. Is it? So there you go. If you want to see it, YouTube has what you need um, to say, no, I don't want to watch any more of this. Yeah, no, the description looks pretty uh, interesting. They they got that well done, huh? No, they got the clans wrong. Even if, if you were a fan of the game, you would hate this show. Yeah, yeah. I I was a fan of the game, and watching it, I was really pissed because it was just sort of like, what the fuck are they doing? Um, because, yeah, yeah, Todd's right. They got the clans wrong. Nowadays, we'd say they chickened out. Of course, back then, um, there was never a question that they were going to go for the level of horror that the uh, RPG went for. So you weren't going to get that, but... I mean, it was, they, were, they were trying to Melrose Place with vampires, and yeah, It was not good. Yeah. It was bad. For every reason you would think it would be. Aaron Spellingness of it, and yeah. They, do you remember that werewolf TV show in the 90s that Fox kind of led off with back when they first started broadcasting? Nope. Exactly. There you go. Vaguely. Yeah. Yeah. 1996. Yep. <laughs> ugh. Double ugh. Triple ugh. 96% like this TV show. 93% of what? 96% of Google users. Uh, if they're all cats, maybe. 93% of cult kindred the embrace fans liked it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, what I really loved about the tabletop game is they really thought out their shit. They were the best in world building in the 90s. Above Dungeons and Dragons, above any other tabletop game, they figured out how to weave the machinations and politics of all these supernatural creatures in a human world in a way that made everything compelling, everything dark and dangerous. That It, it made you feel like you were in Anne Rice's vampire world, and they, <laughs> they fleshed it out into classes. And it was deep, 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 deep lore, just immersive as hell. It was, it was astounding what they did. They really, it was a, it was a game changer. Even how their human mages worked was very intricate and very, very specific. If you wanted to cast spells, how this work, magic works in this world. I'm so glad they've stood the test of time. And I'm glad that someone who gives a shit might actually take advantage of all that world building to give us really interesting supernatural creature stories. Something we've missed for a while, frankly, since True Blood, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, they should. They should. I mean, you know, stuff like True Blood has shown that there's definitely a market. You see True Blood come up, and I'm sure, you know, Todd, you were the same. You, I just sat back and it's like, why isn't anybody doing Vampire? The World of Darkness. Why not? Yeah, and I, as somebody who enjoyed True Blood, yeah, I was thinking I enjoy this. I would rather be seeing Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Let's do some red light, green light. 
Yay! Well, all okay. right. <laughs> Hello, everybody at the table. It is time once again to green light some TV shows. Now, we still haven't got our budgets in order, so we got to keep things a little limited. Everyone's going to get a single green light to give out, all right? We have four projects. My understanding, one of these isn't even real, all right? But we're going to go through them all the same. But we're going to do things just a little bit different this time. Instead of me just going through all the pitches at once and then going giving out the green lights, we're still going to do all the green lights at the end, but between each one, let's discuss it a little bit, what we like and what we don't like, all right? Things that, we, that, that speak to us and don't, and then we'll put our green lights at the end. But our shows this week are The Continental, The Sparrow, Graves, and Bedrock. And we're going to start with The Continental. Lionsgate is getting ready to stop production on the John Wick spin-off series, The Continental. The series will center around the chain of hotels that cater to the assassins in the world of John Wick. The series will also expand on the history of the League of Assassins. The show is going to focus on a young version of Ian McShane's character, Winston. When talking about the series, Lionsgate TV head Kevin Beggs said the spinoff would also be set in the 1970s. This is quoting him here. It's about a crumbling New York in the 1970s with a garbage strike that has piled bags of garbage to the third floor of most brownstones, mafia muscling in on that business, and other things that are really real as an interesting backdrop to explore the origins of the Continental, which is famously within the movie franchises of the Assassin's Hotel in which you cannot kill anyone on the hotel grounds. But of course, if you step one foot off, your fair game, unquote. The series will explore Winston's rise to power. So that's the Continental. What are your thoughts on that? Green light, as uh, I like. Yeah, don't give your green light. Just say whether you, what you like and what you don't like. Save that stuff. You don't know what the other ones are yet. Good idea. Exploiting a deep, rich uh, lore and property. Uh, the, the, the John Wick movies have this incredibly deep world building going on and seeing what that stuff is like outside of wick is very good the only the only you know sad part is that ian mcshane wouldn't be uh, the centerpiece that's a good point now my you know, only question here is uh, are they going to do it like from a first person point of view so the door opens and there's winston he 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 ushers you in he tries to seduce you by giving you drinks and and getting it let's see are you the doing con- a riff on the old like '50s TV show, The Continental, or the? Yes. The, uh, the, <laughs> oh my God! Who do you think our audience is? I barely had some idea what you were talking about, and I'm, I'm just saying my obscure it, shit. It's not outside the realm of possibility that somebody would have got clued in under what I was talking about. <laughs> well, he, he's got Andy here, so somebody's <laughs> going to get the truly obscure shit. I'm glad I he hope- was. I wasn't getting it. Uh, I'm with Kay though I I literally was about to say almost exactly the same thing Um, I'm fascinated with the world building they have been doing thus far with the John Wick series and I do find that hotel chain 
to be quite fascinating, especially the people that we have already seen so far that operate the hotels. So I would love to see an expansion on that. So uh, that, yeah, that, that definitely intrigues me. I've only seen the first John Wick movie, so... What? Um... You punk. No, I mean, I was only a little surprised that Todd hasn't seen them before, but I'm really surprised you've only seen the first one. In the and words yet... of another Ian McSheen property, <laughs> get the fuck out of my bar. Now, being that John Wick, the first one's the only one that I have seen, uh, that's what stuck with me uh-huh. was that hotel. Very okay. compelling. It's like, a, it's like a centerpiece or a linchpin for the world building, right? Everything that is going to uh, be established about that world. You just you're just going to branch off or stream off of uh, the continental, and it just you know, extraordinary. And 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 everything you see in John Wick to understand the depth of the world, it you know the continental is what does it. So it's a very it's it it's you could almost say it's like it's obvious that's where you're gonna go. So that was the continental. So next up we have the Sparrow. FX will be adapting Mary Doria Russell's sci-fi book, The Sparrow, into a television series. Scott Frank, the writer and co-creator of The Queen's Gambit, will write all the episodes of the show. Uh, Johan Rennick, who did Chernobyl and The Walking Dead, is also on board to direct. Here's the official logline. The Sparrow follows a band of Jesuit priests and scientists led by linguist Father Emilio Sandoz, who makes first contact with extraterrestrial life. The Vatican backs a secret trip to the distant planet with the purpose of proving the existence of God throughout the universe. Things don't quite go as planned, and the trip ends in disaster. Father Sandoz, the only survivor returns to Earth broken both physically and mentally, where the Vatican holds an inquiry into the now scandalous misadventure. That is the Sparrow. What do you think of that pitch? Not interested. Mm. Crazy, wacky stuff. It, it is. I, I, yeah. I, one thing that really pulls me in on that one is you rarely get religion and space exploration as a combination. Yeah. And and that that's something that kind of pulls me in a little into it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah because it, it, it's 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 very I mean that's very realistic, you know. The more of us who go out into space, the more, you know, that's eventually going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, but it's going to be the Jesuits or the Mormons. On this Jehovah's, one it's the, it's the it's the Jesuits. Yeah. Right now. Did it say what it's based on or is it original? It's uh, based on a book called The Sparrow uh, by oh, okay. Maria Doria Russell. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not excited about it, but I don't hate the idea either. Okay. Writer yeah. of The Queen's Gambit well, is going to be writing it. Mm-hmm. Directed by uh, Chernobyl and Walking Dead director. Yeah, yeah I mean, the pedigree sounds good, but uh, yeah. I just, I'm not familiar enough with the book. It, it's not grabbing me. Even with that pedigree, it's like the pedigree is good. It'll probably end up being a good show. It, it, it's just not grabbing me at this point. All right, we will move on to the next one called Graves. 
HBO Max has teamed up with Brian Azzarello to continue his classic noir comic series, 100 Bullets, in a live-action series. The show, titled Graves, will follow college student Philip Graves II as he comes across his family's hidden past. He pulls the string that unwinds the truth of how his father was a mysterious agent with the Minutemen, unaware of how unearthing the past will dictate his future. The story will take place 20 years at the, after the end of the comic book series, which was about Agent Graves, who carried a special case containing a gun, a hundred rounds of ammunition, and total immunity for their use. To the damaged and the downtrodden living on the fringes of society, Graves would offer a once-in-a-lifetime chance to even the scores with the gun and bullets. Mark Webb has signed on to direct. Uh, Philip Graves II will be played by Dylan O'Brien. He was one of the stars of Teen Wolf. And that's what I have for Graves. What's your thoughts? Uh, I, I think I've heard about the story before, the the, the 100 Bullets story. But uh, I'm just wondering how it would translate to a live-action show. I, I don't know. It, I mean, it could, it, could be, it could be intriguing. Mm-hmm. I like the thought behind it, you know, the you know the the basics of the the hundred bullets that have total immunity. So, you know, there's a lot of things you could explore with that, you know. Anyway, yeah, the the comic book series never. Uh, I mean, I know of it, but I it was never something I was interested in, in reading. Even though yeah. I like Bri- Brian Azzarello, I don't have a background on this. I don't know. You know, I don't know how this how the comic series ended, so I have no idea what this is, a, what threads this thing is picking up on. Uh, one thing that confuses me on this one is, I mean, they'll obviously fix it in the story. Why are you telling a sequel to Hundred Bullets instead of telling Hundred Bullets? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's. Right. Uh, yeah, you had a point there. Yeah. Yeah. Because the the whole. Uh, Carrying the special case, the whole gun with the hundred bullets and uh, offering them to people. That's how the comic started off before opening up into this grand conspiracy group and a, a larger story. But you're right that it, that very that small part is very compelling. But I'm guessing they would fold that into this, uh, and and maybe and, and only reading some of one hundred bullets, uh, maybe that would be harder to shoot that whole uh, grander conspiracy story. But telling the story through the the offspring who's inheriting basically this idea that it makes for an easier place for the audience to, for them to tell that story in a modern context. Yeah. And they, they might actually incorporate the original story into like flashbacks or something. If he, if he, you know, as he's tracking down what all this stuff is supposed to mean, there might be flashback type of things going on. Got possibilities. So that was Graves, and finally we have Bedrock. Fox and Warner Brothers Animation are developing Bedrock, an adult-oriented Flintstones animated sequel series about a grown-up Pebbles, the young daughter of Fred and Wilma Flintstone. Elizabeth Banks, who is executive producing the show, will also voice the main character. Lindsay Kearns, who did Jurassic World Camp Crustaceous, has been hired to write. The story is said to pick up 20 years later after the original Hanna-Barbera cartoon. 
as the uncultured Stone Age gives way to the more enlightened Bronze Age, Fred is on the verge of retirement at Mr. Slate's Stone Quarry, and Pebbles is looking for a job of her own. The residents of Bedrock will soon find that evolution can be, quote, harder than a swing from Bam Bam's club, unquote, reads the official synopsis. Hmm. Right now, Pebbles and Fred are the only confirmed characters, but very possible that Wilma, Bam Bam, Mr. Slate, Betty Rubble, Barney Rubble, and Dino could be part of the ensemble. So what do you think of Bedrock? Your whole <laughs> synopsis there of, like, looking for a job, I went right to Pebbles to rock out copy five. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by Miss Demina. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh... They already did a grown up Pebbles. I mean, she was a teenager, but she was. So this takes like 10 years after the grown up, the teenage Pebbles <laughs> thing we saw. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like so. It comes on awful quick. Oh, man. It does seem like about every 10 or 15 years they do try to reboot the Flintstones because I, I swear it was about 15 years ago that uh, Seth MacFarlane tried to reboot uh, the Flintstones and have it be a more adult-oriented uh, series that would have been in like that anima- animation domination segment on Sunday nights. But uh, uh, the studio eventually... I think they got a pilot done and then after the... The pilot that which never aired, they uh, they nixed it. 2010, uh, Seth MacFarlane, they didn't like the scripts, so they canned the project. That sounds about right. Yeah, it was originally written. I mean, the original Flintstones was written as an adult show. It aired at eight o'clock at night. Oh, I don't know about this, man. Um, unless they're going off the recent Flintstone comics, where they actually take on current issues in caveman form with that i'd be excited to see if they're if they're bouncing off of that i just i don't know i think as as an adult i just don't find the characters intriguing whatsoever yeah so there you have it guys there's the shows the continental the spin-off from john wick the sparrow about the jesuit priests and scientists sent to explore extraterrestrials and coming back savaged uh the uh 100 Bullets spinoff of Graves and the uh, follow-up to Flintstone's Bedrock. So let's start. Oh, let, let, let's, let's start with you, Biggs. Where do you put your green light? I'm afraid I'm going to have to... None of the others really uh, intrigue me. I don't know enough about this John Wick uh, thing, so uh, I think I'm going to have to put my green light under that uh, vampire thing. That, uh, that uh, Yeah, that, that dealio. Yeah, yeah. What? what? You didn't. What, what vampire? You weren't even listening. There's no vampire thing. That was like, totally like, like 45 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was part of the we the we, the news segment. Oh, the news. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew it'd be a hit. <laughs> just, just like a studio executive, I swear. <laughs> What are you, new line? Like, what is this? So what do you think? Well, I'm going to have to green light that vampire project. Oh, <laughs> we, man. We, we didn't pitch you a, a vampire project. Why well, well, not? Pitch me a vampire ago. project. You can get out of my office anytime now. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're through. Don't let the door slap you in the butt on the way out. <laughs> that, that's the first. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh boy, what was the first thing we talked about? Because that one was continental. That's why I go back and recap them, there, Biggs. Yeah, <laughs> continental sparrow graves bedrock. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> well. I do remember liking, yeah, the Continental. We'll go with the Continental. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I have been so sleep-deprived, as you can oh, tell. Dude, what a mind fuck! I'm sitting here like, vampire thing. Where the <laughs> fuck was I? When did but he meanwhile, <laughs> next time you come at me with a vampire pitch. I'm telling you, kid, vampires are big right now. Get out of my office and come back with a vampire pitch. Right. All that other garbage, throw it out. Head rock with vampires. Now we're See? talking. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so I will greenlight the Continental because uh, that one did sound very intriguing, especially the 70s milieu. And, uh, I mean, it's an origin story, which I'm kind of, you know, but sounds like it would be an interesting origin story to tell. Matt, where would you put your green light? Well, I know with the werewolf thing. <laughs> <laughs> Why oh, you? <laughs> That's it. You're through here. <laughs> I won't take that sass from you. <laughs> I'm going across the Dreamhaven theaters with Morheim. No, um, I'm going to put my green light on the Continental because the rest of them, um, no. John Wick. I've seen all three. Can't wait for the fourth. Going with that. Andy, where do you put your green light? I want to go with the new Leverage series. We're going to be going back in time and pick months. <laughs> man, no, it's the Continental. One, Anybody that says anything about the Continental is wrong. Continental's <laughs> the only one that's absolutely viable, wonderful show. Can't go wrong. Jeff, where do you put your green? Uh, I, I think I also have to go with Continental. Uh, there are a couple others that sounded intriguing, but that's the one that sounds the most... Uh, the most up my alley. That's Wait. what I'm going to support. One of them's fake, and it's going to be the Continental, isn't it? Probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Kirsten, Kirsten, where'd you put your green light? Well, to be perfectly honest, I think it, it's kind of obvious the way everyone's talking. Those actors reading the comic book series is, uh, <laughs> is it's definitely going to be, that's green light all the way. Cause... Now look, you. I won't take this sass from this anyone. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we we we've all uh, we've all already hit on it. Um, Bedrock does not does just doesn't quite grab me. Um, I mean, you know, anything can happen nowadays. They're they're doing the damnedest things with the damnedest IPs, so you never know. Sure, but, sure, but how about but, Bedrock with vampires? Yeah, exactly. Right. In space. In space. Space. <laughs> Jesuits take cavemen into space with vampires, and you know, uh, now the Jesuits in space thing actually does sound compelling, um, and that I think uh, is over bedrock and over graves, which I hadn't, I hadn't really read Hundred Bullets. I knew it by reputation, but Continental Man. I mean, I've already said it. I'd I'd love to uh, I'd love to see a move a set of movies or shows dealing with the lore of the world of John Wick. Those guys, 
you know, they set out to do their own kind of uh, stunt movie violence choreography stuff. And, and the, these guys were dealing with what kind of movies and, and you know, what kind of um, justification you have behind the violence. And, and they just wanted to do something stylish. And then they sit there and create this wonderful lore behind it. I mean, we were talking about lore with World of Darkness, you know, that vampire uh, pitch. But the Wait, lore when did behind- that happen? <laughs> <laughs> but the- <laughs> oh, you, you really are acting like an actual, uh, I was going to say casino exec, a movie exec. This is how it is. <laughs> well, I'm happens. willing to take a gamble on this. What are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, yeah. It's um I think it's a rich idea. Those guys, you know, they really they really created something cool and hey, I think uh continental, green light all the way, yeah. And I think this is the first time that everyone is in unison on green lighting a project, and so the continental is getting green lit. So here we go. This is the pot. If you say that it's fake, I'm gonna throw you out this. Well, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ask you, what do you think is fake, Kirsten? <laughs> Me? Um, I'm actually thinking. I have to, I have to confess. I seem to remember hearing something about Bedrock, and I seem to remember hearing something about some others. I think because it sounds gripping, because it actually sounds a little interesting. I'm gonna go with. Sparrow, but that's a that's almost like a dart in the dark. I'm not, you know, I'm not positive. All right, Jeff, where do you put your fakey? I I also think it's Sparrow because I I I did read. I think it was last week uh, about the the Bedrock series, so I know that one's actually moving forward. Continental, I really want to be real, so. Uh, but uh, I you don't want to you don't want to jinx it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. Don't want to <laughs> jinx it. But uh, no, I, I I do. I don't know. I I can't give you a, a a rational explanation why. But I feel like Sparrow is the one that's um, the fake pitch. Andy, what do you think's fake? Uh, Bedrock is so stupid it has to be real. Uh, <laughs> I think Sparrow is a fake one. Because the just because if if the Graves is a fake one, whoever wrote is a genius. Because not just going with a remake of not just adapting Hundred Bullets, but going into this whole weird side thing, that would be amazing writing on uh, if it was a fake. As as a real show, it's kind of dumb. Why not just do Hundred Bullets, like Todd said? So yeah, that's it's Sparrow, I believe. Matt, what do you think's fake? I'm gonna say. I haven't read about Bedrock, so no one else is reading about Bedrock, so not fucking Bedrock. Just, that's fake. All right. Steve, what do you think's fake? Well, obviously the vampire. Because I want it, obviously it's fake. No, I, I, I think it's Graves. I think, I think Graves is the fake one. That sounds to me like somebody going, oh, I really wish I'd continue the story. Oh, I'll write that up as a pitches, pitches. Because that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And the fake one is 
Frankenstein, thanks for playing. (laughs) (laughs) The fake one was sent to us by Pat Spurl, or as Andy would call him, genius Pat Spurl, for bringing us graves. That was the fake. Pat on the back for Pat. Well done, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very nice. And if you want to send us a fake pitch, write to us. uh, Subject pitches bitches at uh, comments at uglycotshow.com. And of course, if you want to send us email at all, send us comments at uglycotshow.com. And include vampires for Steve. For all the pitches of vampires that we've had, it wasn't enough. (laughs) That's right. I'm waiting for the all vampire version of Red Light, Green Light. (laughs) 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 And thank you again, Pat. And thank you, everybody who has sent us fake pitches for this. This has been a fun game to explore and evolve over time. And we couldn't have done it without your help. So uh, keep the pitches coming. We really appreciate it. I think this is a good tweak. I like it. The Sparrow sounds like... um an expansion on an Arthur C. Clarke short story uh, called The Star, ah. uh, which they did an adaptation of that for the 80s uh, Twilight Zone. It's a really good story, just full of actual poignancy. Thank you very <laughs> much. Uh, about a space uh, exploration team, and there's a Jesuit priest uh, as part of the research team. They're basically doing an archaeological dig on this planet that was destroyed in the, when its star went supernova. Like a highly technically advanced civilization that they find that that they can't find any uh, remnants of why they passed until yeah. Are, are you yeah. telling me? Are you telling me this is this is Atlantis in space? <laughs> no. The do you want do you want the spoiler ending? The little twist. Yeah, tell it's it's you know a forty year old television series. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that that's uh, yeah. You're you're saying yeah, forty year old. 40-year-old adaptation of a, of a 50- or 60-year-old uh, short story, they uh, do the calculations, and they realize that the star went nova and was visible over the over uh, Jerusalem. In the story, of course, they say in December of, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, we all know if Jesus actually did exist, he was born in the spring or summer. And killed an advanced civilization doing it. Yeah. And that was the thing they said, and yeah, because the priest was having an issue with it, right? It was like, I can't believe these people, and the and the atheist scientist was like, No, don't you see? They they knew their time was up, and they buried because they purposely buried all their stuff as deep as they could, yeah, uh, in the hopes that it would survive the the nova. He goes, they knew their light was going out, but it would light the way for someone else or something else, and so it was a. Again, a real poignant ending. And, of course, they played it during their Christmas episode Yeah, <laughs> that year. Twilight Zone doing what Twilight Zone does best, aping EC Comics. That's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and that, of course, does mean that the Continental, the Sparrow, and Bedrock are all in development. I actually am slightly intrigued to see how they, uh, how they put together the Sparrow. Mostly because, you know, it is space exploration and religion clashing is is what it kind of sounds like. Actually, it's kind of gotten me interested in reading the book. So, On a side note, Cinema Toast that uh, I believe a couple of us greenlit, what, three episodes ago? 
mm-hmm. is is already on Showtime. They're like three or four episodes deep already. Wow. Mm-hmm. I got so, that in just under the wire. Yeah. I so, think that's yeah. why I did it for that week, because I knew it was coming soon. So I'm like, ah, let's, let's fire it before I lose it. Yeah, it'd be funny if like, we're doing that, and I'm like, um, I've already watched an episode, so... Uh... <laughs> oh, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that day. That day is coming. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> that, that'll be... You'll hear in the middle of uh, Weekend Geek when I suddenly go, oh, shit, and start scribbling and writing things really fast. <laughs> uh... So The Sparrow is uh, uh, the beginning of a series, actually. All right. The, the novel. The novel. There's a series of Sparrow novels. So what's your Sparrow? Write to us. Comments at UglyCatcho.com. <laughs> and until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Jesuit K. <laughs> Vampire Fact Check Dandy. <laughs> Maple Leaf Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Vampire Biggs. <laughs> and we will talk to you next week in Geek. Oh, that that was a golden moment. The, <laughs> I choose the vampire show. <laughs> True blood. True blood. That's real popular right now, isn't it? Give me another one of those. Sir, that, that was canceled 10 years ago. Ah, get out of here with that. You're, you're lying to me. Are you on crack? Get out of here. I just watched it yesterday. Oh, shit. Yeah, I just watched it yesterday. How can it be canceled? Oh, speaking of which... So way back in the day, when, when we oh, first hi. got a driver's licenses. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. These friends of mine and I decided, well, because we lived in freaking Corona and there's nothing to do in Corona. Still, to this day, nothing to do in Corona. We drove up to Burbank to see the Tonight Show a couple of times. And we actually took the NBC uh, tour once. And oh, nice. so the so the, the tour guide is you know talking about this studio over here and the Bob Hope studio and blah, blah, blah and all this. And at some point, he let he let some comment go, and he goes, and uh, of course, now that was when they canceled Star Trek. And this is, we're talking 76, 77, when this is going on. And he goes, that's when they canceled Star Trek. And this one guy goes, Star Trek canceled? <laughs> and we, oh. we laughed. Man. Anytime somebody said something that was a little obtuse, we would just turn to each other and go, Star Trek's canceled? <laughs> <laughs> Yay, and now I can use it on this show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like some of these poor kids that are that are discovering all these things on streaming, especially like the the series that go like, you know, one or two seasons and then in on a cliffhanger and then the show was <laughs> never made again and they're just like, Wow, I'm getting really into the show and, and wait, there's never gonna be a resolution to the story? <laughs> I, yeah. <clears throat> like welcome to our youths. <laughs> yeah. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, from now on, in red light, green light, if there is nothing good, I'm definitely going to green light the vampire. <laughs> you know like what, Andy? That. Why don't you just turn your, turn your camera off, mute your mic. Perfect. Well, that seems a little excessive. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, one or one or the other. You don't have to do both. Oh, there we go. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. So I don't feel like I'm wa- I can watch the Bad Batch. It, to me, it'd be like watching WandaVision without have seeing Avengers and the movies going into it. It's I, I'm not ready for it yet.
What was that? Is this a note or actual show? This is me trying to get the show started, Andy. This is oh, gotcha. This is, yeah, this but... is talking about things. To... Oh, I gotcha. Because we weren't doing it, by we weren't doing it. All right. Right. So <laughs> I'm introducing a topic to begin, and we're here to talk Wigan Big Wigan Bigs. Wigan Bigs. <laughs> that's that's extra on the Patreon. You want to spend a week in Bigs? That is some big bucks. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, I'm ready. Check out the Maverick Theater in Fullerton. Uh, see if we can find their website real quick. The URL it goes a little something like this. It is where'd you go, guys? Uh, I don't want there to be dead air here. So. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, dead, dead, dead air, dead air, dead air. For, for a second there, you sounded like uh, the girl from The Grudge. <laughs> so. <laughs> Listen right. to the dulcet tones of Geek Shock and smooth jazz and soul. And news you don't give a shit about. Gilbert Gottfried is God. never a mistake. <laughs> hey, the tiger, you hit the jackpot. It is when you're doing five shows a weekend. <laughs> Nobody knew Michael Caine? I could do Michael Caine. That was by Michael Caine. What? I want yeah. Yeah. I want some Mary Jane as voiced by Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, PDO! Turn those hot wheels this way! <laughs> not, not to mention uh, uh, one of the characters done by Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, we were laughing about ooh, that. Oh, Jay Jonah as Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> yeah. oh. Um, Miss, uh, Miss, um, uh, 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 Brant, uh, uh, since, uh, 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 since when do, uh, do you allow, uh, 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 punk, uh, punk, punk kids to, uh, 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 come barging into, uh, my, uh, 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 uh office? I think, you know what we should have right now? Since you're both here, a Michael Caine off. A, Ma- a Michael Caine off. I don't know if you guys could handle that. <laughs> I mean, do you have any idea who we are? We are Michael fucking Caine. <laughs> do you know that Michael Caine once auditioned for Glenn Gary Glenn Ross? <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> and it goes a little like this. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know any of those lines. I would have to look those up. Jesus <laughs> Christ. What do you Kane think is Tony doing? Roma. Yeah. My God. You stupid Kane is what? fucking cunt. You asshole. You, Williamson, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I don't care who you are, who's, who you're related to, whose dick you're sucking on, but you're on the way out. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think he's got you there, Jeff. Well, he's got the acting background. I don't have uh, I don't have uh, monologues to do. Why do we fall down, Master Bruce? So we may learn to pick ourselves back up. I mean, yeah, I'm I sitting here trying, trying to rack my brain, and all I'm thinking is like, put that down. Coffee's for closers only. <laughs> yeah, that would be so. Oh, that would be that. That bit would just be hysterical. Just always be closing.
You see this watch? You see this watch? This watch is worth more than your entire paycheck. That's who I am. <laughs> Bravo. Who am, who am I? Fuck you. Fuck you. That's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> so the scene in Star Wars, when Han is trying to talk to the uh, command post, Michael Caine as Han, go. But Yeah, but I mean, it would probably go a little something like this. No, no, we're, we're fine. We're all fine. We're fine down here. How are you? <laughs> uh, a negative. We have a reactor leak down here. Give, give us a few minutes to lock it down. L large leak. They're very dangerous. <laughs> and then don't forget the tagline, boring conversation anyway. No, nah, no, nah, yeah, boring yeah. conversation anyway. Luke, we're going to have to have company. <laughs> I mean, so we're going funny. to have company. Just like that, too. Just <laughs> casually yeah. down the hall, down the corridor. Luke, we're going to have some company. But it'd be much better <laughs> as it does by, by Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Luke, uh, uh, we're... Uh, mm, uh, we're going to... Uh, <laughs> have some... Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, company. <laughs> and then, like, uh, apartments.com. Oh, uh, uh, we have company. Uh, we should probably call uh, apartments.com. Apartments uh, uh, find a new uh, place to uh, host this uh, uh, party. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Very nice. And if you want to send us a fake piss, if you want to send us that please don't i just wanted to yeah. as a psa we don't want your golden <laughs> wig <sighs> and oh. so i do want to pull the room uh you like that better doing the discussions in between the each one i do too yeah. i think it's more engaging for everybody yeah yeah, yeah, and yeah, it, I, agree. I mean, it definitely, it, the thing about it is it definitely makes it easier to remember all the entries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, sure. <laughs> Star Trek canceled?